Welcome back to The Sesh. I'm Kendall Ray. And I'm Chanel. We are happy to have you guys back for another episode. Today is episode four, actually. Four is my lucky number, so I hope this one turns out good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Today we're going to be actually talking about the behind the scenes of YouTube and the podcast world. A lot of you have asked us to do an episode kind of doing a Q&A, talking about that. You guys had a lot of different questions, so... We're going to be diving into all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this is kind of an area where a lot of people don't know about kind of behind the scenes and how it works business wise, because it is Mm -hmm. such a new, you know, world, if you will. And it's, you know, hasn't been around that long. And so, yeah, I think people are kind of just curious, like, how do you make this work? And And what is it like? What is it like? Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of a weird job. So, yeah, happy to answer some questions. You guys sent in some really good ones. So we'll get into that. But first... We have our spicy topics. Spicy. Spicy. All right. Well, first up, we're chatting about some TikTok boys here. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) Um, This story in particular is about a TikToker and YouTuber named Bryce Hall, who I guess has like 13 million TikTok followers. Again, one of the big ones. Big ends. I I just literally can't imagine having that many followers so and quickly that's not even that many for a tiktoker yeah you're right it's like, like tiny have so many it's just mind-blowing <laughs> it's honestly wild um but anyways on august 4th the la county department of public health issued a warning about large parties during the coronavirus this was back you know this earlier this month talking about how there's the highest risk settings are in large person gatherings where it's difficult for individuals to remain spaced out at least six feet apart you know, I feel like we're kind of well-versed on this. Obviously, you shouldn't be in big gatherings. You shouldn't be throwing parties. And you shouldn't mm-hmm. be with a ton of people where you can't, you know, properly space yourself out. Seems like common knowledge. Most of us should know this and right. understand what you're supposed to be doing right now and what right. you're not supposed to be doing right now. But some people just do not care, apparently. Right. So I guess they made this, you know, warning. And then even the mayor, uh, Garcetti, came in and announced the next day that the city would be shutting off utilities at any addresses found to be hosting large gatherings. So that was their warning. This and that's was good. Back earlier in August. Yep. That's for sure good because we had covered this two weeks ago or whenever yeah. the podcast first started, we talked about it. And at that point, they were talking about doing a $100 fine. And we were like, what the fuck (laughs) is that going to do? They don't care. These people make so much money. Like it would blow your mind. Um, Yeah. They probably figured that out too. Like, oh, yeah. We should probably actually take something away. Yeah. Just a hundred bucks. Shut it down. Shut it down. It makes total sense. Totally. So that's what they were threatening to do. And then like 10 days later on August 14th, Bryce, this tiktoker youtuber threw a 21st birthday party for himself how old is he 21 damn oh yeah 21st birthday right (laughs) that makes sense i was like 21 21 um yeah but he i guess invited over 100 people to his rental home in encino um so it wasn't his actual home that he lives at it was just a rental one and they threw a giant party and then i guess that night of the party neighbors called in about noise complaints and then eventually LAPD came in and shut it down. Which I still don't understand why they're throwing these parties. I mean, they're getting a lot of backlash, so much so that the mainstream media has been covering this. And they just are like, whatever, well, man. Again, like, what can you do? Who cares? Yeah, you'd think they would try to at least enforce something in their group. Like, all right, guys, we're not going to film this or let anyone That's know. That's what I've always partying. thought, yeah. Do you want to be seen as publicly? They must. <laughs> or they just want to be seen as like, we don't give a fuck. Nothing stops us from partying. They're hardcore bros. Right, exactly. It's every day, Corona bro. can't stop them. Nah, ain't nothing gonna stop you. Not even a pandemic. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
So they threw their big party. Police came and were like, shut that shit down. Enough of that. And then that following Wednesday, Mayor Garcetti ended up turning off their power at their Hollywood Hills home. So again, they threw their party at this rental home in Encino, but then they live in Hollywood Hills. And so that's the house that ended up getting the power cut. Um, And I guess the mayor's office had given several warnings about large parties during the pandemic before shutting off their power. So it's not like they didn't have a warning. And he said, despite several warnings, this house has turned into a nightclub in the hills. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Hosting large gatherings in violation of our public health orders. The city has now disconnected utilities at this home to stop these parties that endanger our community. Which I'm like, thank God you should be doing that. Yeah, Um, because these freaking influencer houses and huge parties are becoming such a problem. I know. It's really like, uh, it's you know, one thing I wonder is where the hell are their parents? I know. I mean, they're still pretty young and my parents were definitely checking up on what I was doing. And if I was making the news because I was being a nuisance during the pandemic, <laughs> yeah, for real. my parents would shut my ass I down. Know, I don't I care agree. how old I am. Seriously. It's so Some embarrassing. Some of these kids are like 17, mm-hmm. 16. Like what? Yeah. Their parents are probably like, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Fo- it's followers. They're getting famous. They can't be stopped. It's part of the job, honey. What can you do? Dude, that's the argument they're making is like, we can't stop partying because it's our jobs. There's been several TikTokers and YouTubers who have done interviews where they've literally said, we can't stop partying because that's what our content <laughs> is. We have to make content and we can't be stopped from doing our jobs. Like trying to pull the sympathy card. Like we need to work too. That doesn't make any sense. Vlog something else. else. Get creative. Yeah. I did vlogs for years in my little apartment in college by myself. Exactly. And people watched it. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as much as the parties, but I mean, get creative. Do something outside. Build something like (laughs) Mr. Beast. I was just about to bring up Mr. Beast. Yeah. Fill your pool with like jello jello or something i don't know <laughs> i know i agree get creative you get guys creative. do not need to party that is the most ridiculous Plus, i'm thing kind I've of confused heard. because if they're all 17 shouldn't they not be drinking or doing drugs like obviously yeah. i'm sure that they are they because probably shouldn't be a ton of people but like why are you promoting partying in the first place you're underage i know are, are you partying sober i mean that's what some people do but something tells me that's not happening yeah i guess they have the mindset that if they don't film straight up them drinking which they do though yeah so i don't know yeah they're horrible honestly they're terrible influences <laughs> Damn it's it. just like it's so disappointing to see how famous these people are getting and how many people they're influencing how many young kids mm-hmm. what so many young the kids. fuck yeah i know they yeah, like worship them it's crazy it is um so after they turned off the power bryce ended up tweeting back on august 20th Woke up sweating bullets in this 100 degree weather. No air conditioning. Hashtag dope. Wow. Poor Bryce. I know. Really it's sad feel, for Bryce. Yeah, he woke up hot. hot. <laughs> oh, hashtag boo. <laughs> hashtag pray for Bryce. Should we start a GoFundMe? Justice for Bryce. Justice for Bryce Hall. He's running out at me see you guys in his mansion. It's hard for him. That's so insane. I wonder if that will stop them. Too hot to throw parties there. They'll probably just move on to the next spot, though. They're like, what? Well, like, eh. Just rent an Airbnb. Yeah, that's what they keep doing, I think. So <laughs> Yeah, except for the drip crib. They're throwing the parties at their house. And yes, I said the drip crib. The drip crib. <laughs> there are all these houses now. We've been talking about them. It's kind of like the Team 10 house yeah. that Jake Paul has. They're either called influencer houses or creator houses. Mm-hmm. And they're all people that make internet content of some sort. YouTubers. I think the like TikTokers live together. The YouTubers live together. But there's these houses 
And they're basically being run kind of like fraternity sororities, yeah. except for they have no guidance and they make so much money. They have so right. much like unlimited resources. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And they're all like really young. So this drip crib has been getting in some trouble lately. That's the newest one. <laughs> That's the newest one. It's a house filled with TikTokers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess they've also been throwing parties, but I guess recently there's been a ton of people on the property and the neighbors are getting pissed off and are protesting. Yeah, they're pissed and because they live in a nice area. Oh, yeah, all of them do. Yeah, They all live in like mansions. Imagine if you're paying to be living in a mansion and you know there's people just trashing it because they've also trashed their property they literally had piles of trash in their Mm -hmm. backyard so much so that they had to rent a fucking truck to get all of the trash out (laughs) can you imagine living next to these idiots why would you do that people coming in and off in and out of the property all day they said that you know it's like clogging the entrance and oh i'm sure it is i'm sure there's people standing on the lawn constantly trashing the lawn yep ew why don't you have an HOA though? All these, like, aren't you getting in trouble for trashing your giant backyard? That's why they're like, get the trash out. And so they had to bring their truck in and get it out. Oh they're in God, a lot of trouble so... for wrecking this house actually. Yeah, that's not even half of it. They yeah. apparently completely destroyed a bunch of their furniture because I guess the mansion is already fully furnished. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, I guess there's an estimation of $100,000 just in property damage. So that's, that's cool. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they've been wrecking all the cabinets and the, staining the floors. Yeah, the staining their real furniture. hardwood that they have in this mansion. <laughs> They're not even sleeping with sheets, dude. They're Ew. sleeping on bare mattresses. Which I believe that. Like, do you, in college, I remember so many guys just like sleeping on oh, mattresses. Yeah. I'm like, can you please <laughs> get yourself a fucking fitted sheet? Why is this so difficult? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yep. And then I guess also they stopped paying rent because they moved in when COVID started. And then basically since March, they haven't even paid for their rent or utilities, but they can't get kicked out because there's laws in place that are protecting people who are renting from being kicked out because of coronavirus. So yeah, it's cool. So they're kind of taking advantage of the whole situation with COVID. Yeah. That's great. And their neighbors are so pissed off that they've been threatening with gun violence and even spraying them down with hoses, which I love that. <laughs> Put it on jet mode and just <laughs> knock them out. Oh, I'd be so I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's kind of and I guess they're like also fighting and the police, I guess, have to show up four to five times a day sometimes. It's so wild when you think about this, that there are all these teenagers living in this house, absolutely wrecking this mansion, that they're sleeping on air mattresses in the closet. And I mean, it's a complete free for all. What are like the laws of, you know, staying at a house completely alone under the age of 18? Well, I mean, they're not right. I mean, how old are they? I don't know how old. They are. Maybe there's one person Maybe some there. Of them are. Or, yeah, I guess they're yeah. probably not. All you don't have to 18. all live in, you know, be mm-hmm. 18 to That's live a in a point. house. Yeah. So, I, don't know. I don't know. This, I, They don't know what to do. Police are like baffled by all these fucking houses mm-hmm. that are just out of control. Yeah. They, it said they're going to the drip house or the drip crib house four to five times a day mm-hmm. for gun violence fights and huge parties. Yeah. So. And they also, I guess, the people who live there have disconnected a bunch of security cameras that are like set up around Mm -hmm. the house and people are speculating that it's because they want to be able to get away with doing, you know, 
bad things you can fill your yeah. mind with whatever that may be i'm not trying mm-hmm. to get demonetized but yeah i mean not doing <laughs> great things and so they're not trying to be watched or caught yeah. which i'm like you can't just do that i don't think if so it's the property manager that has the cameras probably yeah well the i think the owner of the property mm-hmm. has cameras in their house maybe i don't know how it works but i don't think you're allowed to just like take someone else's that's their property you can't just like disassemble it i don't think i don't know <laughs> So it sounds like they're being sued too by the property management company. Yeah. The owners are threatening to sue the whole, you know, drip crib company or whatever team. It's like a group. They actually have staff and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think they're all getting threatened to be sued because they're acting like damn idiots. They should. These houses are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The true question is, will that stop them from partying? Will it stop others from partying if they see that they've lost power? Probably not. They like party with no power now. It's just like a giant sweaty mess. That's great. <laughs> There's like, no bathrooms. They're shitting in buckets. Laugh so hard. Who laughed so hard? My headphones just flew off. That would be amazing. They're just shitting in buckets. Like it's it's a disaster in there in this giant beautiful mansion. Well, I would not be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either. Honestly, I don't. Nothing really shocks me anymore. At this point with these people. I know. <laughs> oh. They have like a pool in their backyard. There's like bathing in it. (laughs) (laughs) They like cooking a hot tub. (laughs) Hello. We are interrupting this episode to bring you some breaking news that we just found out. Kendall, go ahead and take it away here. Well, we have found out that the TikTokers, the partying TikTokers in Los Angeles, have finally been held accountable We're getting reports that TikTok stars Bryce Hall and Blake Gray, they are facing misdemeanor charges for violating Safer LA Health Order and the Party House Ordinance. If convicted as charged, each of them face a maximum sentence of up to one year in jail and $2,000 in fines. So it seems they have finally cracked down. (laughs) Hope you look good in orange, boys. (laughs) That's all we have for now. Back to you, Janelle. Thank you. Sorry for this interruption. Let's get back to regular programming. But the last story that we have for you guys is also about TikTok. TikTok is such a huge app and it has such an influence on society right now. It's kind of wild. Like mm-hmm. this time last year, it was like not many people were on no, TikTok. I didn't even know what it was. I know. Yeah. It's, but now it's big news. Big news. Well, to go back in time a little bit, on August 6th, Trump came out and signed an executive order threatening to ban TikTok if it is not sold to a U.S. company. And his reasoning for doing this is because he's concerned because it's a Chinese-owned company and he's worried that it's going to be a security threat to the U.S. Mm -hmm. So the company that owns this is called ByteDance. Now, we've talked about this a little bit on Mile Higher, but it's really a better topic for the sesh anyway. I agree. Um, But yeah, it's kind of like people have mixed opinions on this whole thing. Janelle, you're not on TikTok, right? You deleted no. it after that whole thing, Yeah, right? after we talked about it on um, Mile Higher, I was like, nah, I don't need this. Honestly, mostly because I already have too many apps that I waste my time on and I don't need to have another <laughs> one, okay? I get distracted too easily as it is. So I was like, you know what? No. That's probably good. That's probably good. But I mean, I already know that most of my information is are, is already out there. Yeah. I mean. I know, yeah. It's, if you it use it, like- if you use the internet at this day and age, like mm-hmm. you're kind of already put out there already. Yeah. Know? How so, secure can you truly be? Yeah. Not very secure. But anyways, 
I personally like TikTok. I think oh, there's yes. a lot of creative people on there. I think a lot of people have been able to share their stories on there and get support in kind of a smaller number. Like since it's so niche and their algorithm is incredible, like mm-hmm. whatever you're, in, you're into or whatever you would probably like shows up on your feed. Yeah. So I think it's it's great for, I mean, of course, Sarah Turney is the best example of this, how she yeah. was. And now, of course, mm-hmm. we've talked about that on Mile Higher this week too, but Huge news for justice for Alyssa, her father, Michael Turney, if you followed that case at all, he's been arrested probably because of her TikTok. I mean, she got millions of podcast downloads from her TikTok. She was able to harness a huge audience and a big support group that has been useful to her to this day. Like she's still like getting support for them even now that the trial process has started. Oh yeah, it's just started. Yeah. And it's going to be stressful for her. So to have all these people, like I don't want it to be taken away from her. Sure. And I think there's a lot of people that have, you know, worked really hard on their TikToks. Mm-hmm. And as an influencer, or I, I hate calling myself an influencer because it's like I feel like grouping me in with like the drip club. Jake, or yeah, or exactly, the drip house. exactly. <laughs> but being an internet creator, I guess I can say, um, I feel bad for them. If you've built your whole audience and you've worked hard, like yeah, some of these are just. 15 second videos, but like a lot of people put a lot of time and energy in, like some people really have worked hard on their, their content. And I don't know. I don't think it's all bad, but then I totally understand the other argument that our, you know, security does matter. And if I don't really understand it well enough to make a determination on how dangerous it could be. Same. Um, So, and a part of me is speculating that did Trump decide to do this just as kind of like a distraction. Uh huh. And, you know, just to have people focus on something else instead of like the election. I I don't really know. Like I'm kind of like suspicious of the time that's going on. Does he want to like, you know, try and make a point to like protect our security and like, you know, make it known that he's willing to do whatever it takes in order to protect America. I don't know. Mm -hmm. How concerned is he actually? And how much is it just like a optical move? Right. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. But for a while, Microsoft was also planning to possibly buy it. I think they're back in the Mm -hmm. bidding today. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been going on for weeks now. Yeah. Well, originally Trump was like, you have till mid September to get it together and, mm-hmm. or it's going to be banned. But then he moved it to November 12th. Yeah. And then now Walmart wants in on this. Yeah. Walmart might join in with Microsoft to be able to afford it because TikTok is expensive. There are so many users on it. It is so valuable now, which is crazy. I mean, how fast it grew was just mind blowing. Yeah. Honestly. I think it was probably like the fastest growing social, social media, media platform. Mm-hmm. Probably. Because I feel like it was like, Worldwide what the hell is too. TikTok? And then overnight it was yeah. like, you don't have a TikTok, get on TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Walmart runs in on that. Um, and then I guess the deal could be worth 20 to $30 billion. That's a lot. A billion. And it could be announced in the coming days. So it's possible by the time this episode goes up in three days that it could already have been sold. Yeah. And then TikTok will get to stay, which I'm hoping for that because, like I said, Sarah oh, it's not and going anywhere. All those other people. Yeah, I don't think it is no, either. I don't think it's. I could. I would be shocked if it actually got banned. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. And doubt it. Nope. But another thing is that TikTok CEO Kevin Mayer, this happened literally just today, August mm-hmm. 27th. Um, a former Disney exec um, announced that he was going to resign from the company after three months on the job. And he was like mm, the why? CEO, you know, big deal. So did he say why? 
Um, I think he's mad basically about not having the control. Like if the company were to get sold, like he's worried about having to like give up part of the company essentially. He just wants to get out of it. Interesting. And then on the 24th, like three days ago, it was announced that TikTok is also suing the Trump administration in reaction to all of this because they're accusing the Trump administration of depriving them of due process. And just automatically banning them without fully researching everything and stuff. Yeah. So interesting. I wonder if that will actually go anywhere. I know. Kind of. I really don't understand any of how this works, but no, that so was an like extremely brief overview. I'm sure yeah. that there's a lot more to this, but that's kind of the gist. I just think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. They ain't going anywhere. TikTok's huge. Oh my God. And there's no way. Yeah. No. Let us know what you guys think, though, of all of our spicy topics. Spicy. So before we get started on our main topic, we wanted to shout out our family business here or my (laughs) stepmom and her mom's uh, business. They just started an Etsy shop called Cork and Collar, and they are dog collars, soon to be cat collars as well, uh, made of cork. Yeah, if you didn't see last week, they are made out of cork. They have snaps on them, so they're fully customizable. So you can get whatever colors you want, or they have a bunch of little designs like little flowers and little symbols, a bumblebee. They have different types of crystals if you're into that. Mm -hmm. What we love most about them is cork is vegan. It's sustainable. It actually is good for the cork trees to have the cork pulled off. It's completely renewable. Mm -hmm. And cork also is a natural bug repellent, which I think is super cool. Mm Mm-hmm. They're super comfortable. Our dogs have been wearing them for a long time and they've held up really well and they seem to be super happy with them. And yeah, they're overall really cute. And of course, they're made by our moms. Well, my mom, her stepmom, and they're handmade with love. So we will put their website down below in the description box. If you guys are interested, be sure to check them out. They're really looking for reviews and feedback as they get launched here. Also, if you want to just help them out and support them since they're a brand new shop, I would really personally appreciate it if you would take the time to just jump on Etsy and favorite their shop. Yes, definitely. That will really help them out. They have put a lot of time into this. And yeah, it means a lot to us that uh, they already have gotten so much support. So thank you guys so very much. Yes. Okay, so let's get into talking about YouTube and the world of podcasting. I know people always have questions about this. Whenever I you know, talk to people, even in person about this, they normally have a bunch of questions and misconceptions about it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to you guys. So you guys sent in a lot of questions on Instagram. We do have an Instagram. It's the underscore sesh podcast yep. on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. If you want to be part of the next Q&A. We're also going to be coloring today. If you're watching on YouTube, we both feel like we can more freely chat and just kind of relax when we color. It's yeah. a, an anxiety coping mechanism. I'm sure yeah. a lot of you also use it for that kind of thing. My brain loves nothing more than a little multitasking with my ADD. Me too. I thrive <laughs> on doing multiple things at once. Like I can't stand just sitting and like watching a movie. I have to watch a movie and do something else. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I agree. I love coloring and it's so relaxing, especially when we're trying to just like freely talk like this. It yeah. helps me just kind of. Exactly. I don't even know. And you know, one time I did it on mile higher and a couple of people were mad at me and thought I wasn't paying attention or was like distracted. No, by I pay the attention book. better when I'm like doing something else. That's how I feel. So yep. yeah, this is good. It Plus, really does help the words just flow free. This is so laid back. We're not talking about like, uh, you know, really intense, right. True crime case or something <laughs> like we're just chatting about YouTube. So we yes. can freaking color if we want. Okay. 
So I'm going to read off the questions. Obviously, Kendall has been in this industry yeah. a million times longer than I have. So most of the questions are directed at her. Um, so I will read them off to you. All right. So the first one is, how long does it take to film? Well, it depends on how long the case is, obviously. Some cases are a lot longer and just take me a lot longer or I'll go off on longer tangents. Mm -hmm. It all just kind of depends. But I would say if a video is like 30 minutes after it's edited, it took me probably an hour to an hour and a half to film it, maybe even a little longer. Yeah. Um, I cut out quite a bit because I ramble a lot and I try to make my YouTube videos more concise and consumable right. for people. Exactly. If you're asking about filming for like the podcast, that obviously takes a lot longer because usually the cases are a lot bigger, at least mm -hmm. from mile higher. Yes. And if you didn't know, Janelle edits the podcast. Yeah. So she would know the times better on that. Yeah. We do cut a lot of the podcast just because mile higher is, you know, more structured and there is a lot of reading. So at times, you know, we'll like butcher a sentence or something or like mm -hmm. lose our train of thought. And because it is structured, we want to be able to, you know, edit it in a way that makes sense and is still enjoyable for people. Um, so a lot of stuff gets cut out. Sometimes, you know, it can be like a, a lot. Sometimes it's a little, it kind of depends mm -hmm. on what groove we're in. I feel like definitely, you know what I mean? Like sometimes we're really in the zone and like ready to go, yeah. we're, like super passionate about the case. So we have a lot to say and we just like go hard. But then like some days we have off days where we're like, yeah, it's hard to focus or like, mm -hmm. you know, not wanting to start, you know, it's like any job. It's not like every single time is like, all right, ready to go every single time. You yeah. Know? It's not always a easy experience. Sometimes no. it's harder to get through episodes for sure. Right. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'm physically feeling tired or uh, not feeling good. So mm -hmm. that definitely takes a lot longer to get through the episodes. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, if we just kind of get going and we're really going off hand, then it, yeah, it ends up being a little shorter. For sure. But yeah, thank God for editing. God, if you people just saw all the raw stuff, it'd be pretty hilarious. Be yeah. Maybe we should put out a blooper reel sometime because we have a lot of funny moments. Yeah. A lot of the times we're just laughing and like yeah. can't get control of ourselves and have to like pull it together. Yeah. Or like <laughs> once in a while, Josh will do his classic own word or phrase yeah make up as joshism and then we just like lose our shit for it for like 10 minutes it's funny <laughs> yeah and we just get distracted easily so sometimes that's like i feel like that's the most of it is like me cutting out like us laughing yes. about something else <laughs> or like something distracts us mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. so it just kind of depends but i mean it, they do take a while it's definitely time consuming yeah all right next question can you see yourself doing youtube forever Forever? <laughs> Forever is a long time. Like literally till the day I die, yes. like the last day I'm on earth, I'm yes. filming a YouTube video. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm dying. Oh my God. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's been nice. Thanks for hanging in with me all these years. Uh, no, I mean, I guess I can't do it forever. I would like to do it as long as possible. I love YouTube and I can't really imagine not having that as a creative outlet in my life. And it's just such a huge part of who I am that it's hard to picture my, me not doing it anymore. But yeah, my life's going to change and I will grow. And I'm not sure at what point I don't have like a set date where I'm going to be like done at whatever year. Right. So I don't know. I'd like to be on as long as possible. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like it's the point of you don't know where YouTube's going to be in five. That's 10 years. true. You know, yeah. it could be totally different mm -hmm. or another platform could come along and take over and YouTube's in the dust. You know, you have yeah. no idea. Exactly. So I don't know. I feel like it's kind of hard to balance, but is it fun editing is the next question. I think editing's fun. I don't do as much editing now. I used to edit all my content, obviously, for years when I started, but Janelle does editing for me now on my videos and for the podcast, mm -hmm. mainly because I have fibromyalgia and it really flares me up. 
Yeah. But I do enjoy it. Editing was always my favorite part of this entire process. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the process too. I really like editing. It's mm-hmm. fun to, it's honestly really cool starting with like an idea and then seeing the end result of like being able to yes. press play and like yes. see what you built. I was talking to Josh's brother, Joel, who is the producer for lights out and he edits their show. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, it's kind of like a song. Cause he also makes music. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like putting together a song and then you get to watch the final thing and watch people's reactions to it. And it's so fun. I yeah. loved seeing people's reactions to my editing when I did edit my videos, yeah. um, which Janelle, I still am like very involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a fun thing to do. I guess it's more creative. And, yeah. It's definitely like the most creative yeah. and honestly, like for me, I can't, you know, draw even a square to save my life. Same. So <laughs> this is like the first thing that's somewhat, you know, creative, um, yeah. that I, we like coloring. Yeah, exactly. Coloring in the lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next one is, does it get uncomfortable seeing and hearing recordings of yourself constantly? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it does. Like, sometimes I just get really annoyed with it. I think that would happen to anyone. Like, I know a lot of people won't even watch their own content. They're like, I upload it and I never look at it again. Some people don't even watch it before it goes up. They just trust their editor to put it up. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I watch all my content before it goes up. And yeah, sometimes it does get a little like, I'm just like, oh, God, or like my teeth or... I have a chip in my tooth or my, I have a zit that's like not covered enough (laughs) or something will bother me. Like the way my eyelashes were like something that someone else is never going to really notice, but it'll bother me. And yeah, especially when I was editing for like, you know, eight hours on a video of myself. Yeah. You definitely overanalyze every single section of your face Mm -hmm. and wrinkles. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, maybe I need Botox. Oh my God. But no, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly, I think that that's one of the things I've learned when started editing this sesh, because this is like the first thing where I've been on camera, like a decent amount of time, more than like 10 seconds here and there for mile higher. Yeah. And so when I started editing the sesh, I was like really focusing on like every little thing I did and like being like, okay, don't do that next time. Make sure you do this next time. Look up more, stop saying like, stop saying absolutely. Like, you know, like you just find like random mm-hmm. things that you're like trying to like make better and it can be really cringy to hear your voice like over and over again. For sure. Oh, definitely. It's hard to get used to the sound of your voice and your voice just naturally sounds different to you mm-hmm. because you hear it differently mm-hmm. in your own head. But then when you hear it back, it's a whole nother thing. Yeah. I can barely tell the difference before, but when I first started, that was something that really tripped me out was the sound of my voice yeah. on camera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm always like, wait, do I always <laughs> sound like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's how you sound. Yeah. That's how you sound. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is, do you worry about being canceled? Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything that I'm like, oh, I hope no one finds out about this or I'm going to be canceled. Like there's nothing in my head that I can think of that would yeah. like cancel me. Right. But I'm not a perfect person. I mean, no. who's perfect? Right. And it does like seeing what happens to other people definitely like gives me anxiety in a way, um, even when I do think people deserve it. Um, and but I guess it's just like being in that sphere and seeing how many people it brings out. Like people love the drama Mm. and love people getting canceled. That's why I truly believe cancel culture does exist. People really do enjoy it. And even though some of sometimes it is very necessary to call people out for very problematic things, um, there's a group of people that just really enjoys watching other people fail. Um, And not saying that everyone that's speaking up on things wants that, but there is a group out there that enjoys this and thrives off of others misfortune and just to know that there are people out there that would love to see me fail 
that scares me. Sure. Um, if that makes sense. But yeah, I guess I've never done anything that I'm ashamed of or anything I think I'd be canceled over, but I'm like, what if I do something wrong or just say something wrong and it's right. taken the wrong way? And yeah, I've had a, a lot of thoughts like that. Right now we're going through a phase where we are really into keeping accountability and keeping people accountable mm-hmm. and not letting people get away with horrible things. And I think that's great. And mm-hmm. we need more of that, obviously. But I think with that is a little bit more like, okay, so what's the line? Like, when is it, you know, when are you, when do you not deserve to be canceled over this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like also, does Jenna marbles deserve to not be on the internet because of her old content? Yeah. Well, or like, you know, what about someone who did something a long time ago, but you know, for the past 10 years has been a completely different person. People, I personally believe at least that people can change and they can learn and that people can better themselves and that, that's kind of like the point of being a human is to better yourself and learn from your mistakes. So what's the line being drawn of like, okay, I can forgive you because you have, you know, improved yourself. You've better yourself and you're a great person. Now that, you know, you've really self-improved in personal growth. I mm-hmm. personally think that's really admirable being able to like look at yourself, see your flaws, see what you need to change and do the work to, in order to change and actually show change. Yeah. Like, right. I think that's really really cool honestly so you know what's the line between okay we accept you for your you know apology or for your actions change but then what else is like what's to the point where it's like no we can't we can't forgive you like what you did in the past was too harsh or like you should have known back then even that that it wasn't okay and i think most people are able to tell the difference between someone who's like a real problem and Mm -hmm. someone who's made a mistake and has changed but then there's a group of people that are just like too bad yeah absolutely and are like you know, line in the sand, you've ever made a mistake, then you shouldn't, I guess, get a platform or get anything. Yeah. And I just think that's kind of crazy because yeah, I mean, Jenna said it best when she was like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm afraid of the fact that people are calling me a problematic queen or (laughs) I think Jenna really said it best when she said that she was upset that people were calling her an unproblematic queen Mm -hmm. when she's like, I'm human and I do have flaws and I do make mistakes. Right. So calling me unproblematic is like putting a lot of pressure on you. And people say that kind of thing to me a lot and say, I'm an unproblematic influencer. Yeah. And as much as I take that as a compliment that I haven't like caused problems. Sure. (laughs) It does. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like mentally, you know, I haven't done anything wrong, but I do get, yeah, I guess the whole cancel thing is intense. And I think it's interesting too that, um, you know, a lot of these uh, influencers and such kind of use the excuse of like, well, I never signed up for the, like to be oh, you know, yeah. a role model. Right. Like it's not my problem that these people are looking, you know, looking at me as a role model because I never wanted that. But it's like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you knew that coming with, tons of followers and fame like people you influence people whether you want to or not Mm -hmm. you do that is part of your you know symptoms of your job like it's literally a side effect is like having an influence on someone like you can't not do it Mm -hmm. so you kind of need to i feel like if you're gonna get all the benefits from yeah exactly you're getting the benefits so you need to fucking deal with the the tough shit that comes with your job Mm -hmm. every job comes with shit Absolutely. You can't just be like, well, sorry, I didn't sign up for that part. So I can, I don't have to follow it. Like, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, and I take that seriously that I do have, you know, followers and I try to be the best example I possibly can. All right. Next question is what do you need in order to start a podcast? Well, 
You need microphones. Mm -hmm. You need a computer to be able to edit it on. You need software to be able to edit the audio. What do you guys use? What is it called? A phonic or something? Yeah, that just like runs the audio and like kind of cleans it up and makes it even and stuff. But I think that, you know, our podcast setup is pretty intense and complicated. Um, Yeah, it is. But I don't think it needs to be like that. If you're looking to start a podcast, first off, if you're looking to just start an audio only podcast, like literally all you need is a microphone and some type of computer to upload your stuff. way easier. Yeah. And you don't need like these giant microphones. Like there's a lot of microphones that plug into your computer that you can use and get started that way. Like I feel like you don't have to drop thousands of dollars in order to start our podcast. And you can invest in it as you go. Like, I mean, we had, you know, gone from YouTube to podcasting. So we were able to get a quicker start than some people might be able to, but you can slowly upgrade over time. Like with YouTube, I started out with a video camera, like that had tapes in it, (laughs) actual tapes, like a camcorder. And I would use cords to like bring it over to my laptop. Sure. And (laughs) then I upgraded to a MacBook uh, camera. Mm -hmm. um, What is it? The webcam. So that was my upgrade. So like for a long time I used just like whatever. And then I got a camera that was like a hundred dollars and then a $500 camera later on. And I used that for years. Yep finally upgraded again. And you know, you just slowly improve as you grow. That's kind of part of it. It's like any other business. You keep upgrading your equipment as you go, but you don't need to start with that. And like you said, if if you just start with audio, um, it's a lot easier. YouTube adds a whole nother layer of Mm -hmm. complicatedness, the video aspect of it and and editing. Like it's just a lot. Yeah. It does add a whole other aspect. Um, one thing that's, I wanted to point out was I actually know of um, microphones you can buy that plug right into your phone that oh, you can wow. use. Um, so there's ways to do, do it and, mm-hmm. you know, not break the, break the bank. Obviously it's not going to be as good of quality as something that costs a shit ton of money. That's, mm-hmm. you know, but in order to start off, I don't think you have to drop tons of money. No. All right. Um, let's see here. If you guys weren't doing YouTube and podcasts, what field of work would you be in? Well, I think it could have gone two ways for me. I could have ended up becoming a teacher because that's what I was in school for. But I was kind of freaking out towards the end. Like I didn't feel like it was a great fit. And I feel like even without YouTube, I very easily could have changed my mind and switched into something else. I think if right now I had to start doing anything else other than YouTube, I would probably start my own like wedding photography or wedding videography business. I would love to make like montages, like shorter editing. I don't like, I wouldn't want to edit a movie, but I would love to edit music videos or edit short, uh, like slideshow type things, like, you know, short pieces. Yeah. I could see myself working on that. And I think I would love doing wedding videography and yeah, that would be editing all that. Yeah. I'd probably be really into that. Yeah. I could see that for sure. You wanted to be a wedding planner a long time ago, right? I did a long time ago, but now I'm like, no, (laughs) planning is a lot of work. I planned my own wedding. It was a bitch. I don't would not want to do that again. Oh my god, it was hard. Yeah, I watched it's you stressful. do it. It looked hard. It's very not stressful. want to do it. So. Yeah, I did it really by myself. So, um, what about you? If I wasn't doing this full time with you, I would probably most definitely be a counselor because that's what my yeah. degree's in. I have a master's in counseling, um, 
and I would be working towards my licensure as fast as possible to get my license. So that's what I would be doing. Um, a lot of people have been asking, what do we use to edit? We use Final Cut Pro, which is a Apple software. It's a lot better than iMovie. Yeah, it's like a step up. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, the most professional one. And like, I think Adobe's even crazier, but works for us. Someone asked, does the vibe of podcasting feel better than YouTube? Like, can you talk freely? Yes. I love the vibe of podcasting. I love being in the studio. I love just being able to talk a little more freely and not worry about making it fit in the time constraints. Yeah. Cause like the YouTube audience will only watch a video for so long. It's way different than podcast listeners. Um, so I try not to make my YouTube videos too, too long. So I sometimes feel like I'm under the gun to get everything in there and podcasting is just free. Yeah. And I love it. Plus, yeah, we don't have to worry about YouTube. You know, we don't have to try to get ads Mm -hmm. because we don't care because we have our own sponsors. We can say whatever we want um, to an extent, though. I mean, it is hard on YouTube. I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, We can't say whatever we want. Right. (laughs) That was the goal. That's what we thought we were getting when we started the podcast was like, oh, we can freely talk about anything we want. But there's several things that there's no way we could talk about. And I'm sure you guys can think of what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, because YouTube would shut our asses down. They could delete our whole podcast. And that would suck. Yeah, that would suck. Like a huge amount of our audience is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to follow what they say, at least for now. I mean, we're really hoping Spotify starts doing their like video hosting on their platform, which it sounds like that's what they're doing. Joe Rogan's moving over there and he's going to have video. So um, I'm high, I highly doubt they're going to be as, uh, sensitive as YouTube is. YouTube's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we got for our MK ultra episode, we got flagged for like nudity or something. Yeah. Which we were like, I don't even what? think has nudity in it. Like, no, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I didn't edit it. Does it have nudity in it? No, we didn't talk about anything like that. It's just, yeah. they don't even explain what it's for. So yeah, I mean, you can, you can say whatever you want to an extent. Yeah. It's going to impact your content. Like if you get your ads taken away, yeah, who cares? We have our own sponsors. That was the idea. But the problem is, is they also limit that content. Mm-hmm. They're not going to push it out to everyone as much as they do for our true crime episodes. If it's a conspiracy, it's going to get, it's barely going to make it past our subscribers. Well, plus I think ads in general aren't going to want to, you know, put uh-huh. their name just because you have a sponsor. They may not want their brand connected with your crazy MK ultra conspiracy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's like, possible. We've never had that issue so far. But. Right. But I think in general, like you have to like, what's the line to draw of when it's too crazy to talk mm-hmm. about or too taboo because of the fact that you aren't, you know, you are working with other, there are other moving parts here. Right. So this machine, yeah, we can't just do anything. Yeah. We want. Exactly. Sadly, <laughs> I wish that's the way podcasting was, but to answer your question, yes, it's a lot more freedom for sure. For sure. All right. Someone asked you, how do you deal with your fibromyalgia and filming? They said, I get sore when I sit for hours. I actually do get sore. Um, after filming sometimes like Janelle, you know, edits my videos. So she sees it sometimes I'll like get back pain or I'm like mm. cracking all my shit <laughs> in the middle of filming. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Sometimes I have max film for like what, like maybe three hours max. Yeah. Max. That's if it's like a super long, it's like an OJ Simpson type yeah, case for sure. Um, so it's not too bad. It's not like I'm sitting there all day. No, uh, definitely not. But yeah. That does happen to me too. Plus I feel like you can always like take a break if you need yeah. to like stop filming. I for actually a sec. did that this week. It was kind of nice. I had to go to the doctor's office halfway <laughs> through. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Um, let's see here. Do you have anxiety about planning slash recording? I have anxiety about work often. Yes. I have anxiety about everything in the world because I have generalized anxiety, but you know, Hey, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously I have a lot of feedback. It's the feedback that causes the anxiety worrying. Someone's not going to like something I say or, messing something up or making a mistake. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's anxiety around all of that. Mm-hmm. All right. Someone asked, when did you decide to start true crime and why? So I started it, I think in the beginning of 2017, I'm pretty sure in the beginning of the year. And I decided to do it just because I wanted to make my channel. Um, I wanted to talk more about things. Like I just found that I didn't really like doing like hauls and talking about fashion and makeup. I was getting like really burnt out and bored. So I was like, what can I talk about? That's interesting to people. And one thing I've always been interested in was true crime. And at the time, really no one else was doing this other than John Lorden on YouTube, the classic. Hell yeah. I love him. Um, So I didn't actually know about him at the time, but I didn't know if people would even like it. Like I thought some people would be like, why are you into this? This is weird. But then, I was mistaken because I realized how many people are into true crime and how huge it is. I mean, I didn't realize when I started how big the podcast world was for true crime and just the community, the conventions, the, I mean, there's just so many true crime fans Yeah, and there's so much true crime content to talk about. And once I started doing it, it was just so exciting and interesting. And I mean, gosh, I would be so into my cases, especially when I first started, like just, so excited to tell people about it because it was so new back then. Yeah. It wasn't like saturated like it is now. A lot of people do true crime now, which is what happens with everything on YouTube. It's just part of it. You know, there were way less makeup gurus six years ago, but now, yeah, there's a lot of competition, a lot of people doing it, which I think is good for a true crime because there are so many cases that need awareness. And the more people that are doing that and doing it for the right reasons is really good, you know? So um, it's been interesting to watch it grow. And I, th- I think because it's grown as a whole, we've all grown together and we've all seen growth. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's just been fun to watch it kind of unfold, but yeah, it just started with what did, what will people think is interesting? And I was like, well, I'm really interested in missing persons cases. Will people think that's interesting? And yes, yep. answer right away. Yes. yes. So I first covered Madeline McCann and people were just fascinated by that. That was your first one. Yep. That was my first one. And then from there, yeah. Done many, many a true crime case since. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Someone asks, what do you think is the most problematic thing about YouTube slash toxic YouTube trends? Well, there's, you know, we can talk about YouTube as an actual platform being problematic. That's a whole conversation. I think the company itself is super problematic. Yeah. The fact that they don't even talk to their creators, their employees, basically yeah, barely get a reason for why anything happens. I saw videos get deleted all the time or removed for no reason, you know, constantly getting demonetized, constantly having my videos restricted. Um, so yeah, there's that whole end of them being problematic, not to mention there's accusations of them possibly suppressing certain content for minority groups um, black content, LGBT content is highly suppressed. There's actually a lawsuit against YouTube um, by really? a group of black creators. Yep. Uh, so 
Yeah, YouTube as a whole is just super problematic. But yeah, there's this audience on YouTube that I also think is problematic and all the culture around the drama and the tea and the negativity. And yeah, I think that's, that's I've really watched that become out of control since I first yeah. started. And it's get, it gets very negative. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it could be really toxic because I feel like, but that's with anything though. You know, in Hollywood, there's people who make a mm-hmm. living out of, talk stirring up other people's drama and talking about it yeah no i know and you know it's always going to exist Mm -hmm. if there's people to make the drama then there's going to be people to talk about it yeah Um, but yeah i guess probably that and i guess the nature of competition between some creators like Mm -hmm. there seems like there's so i personally don't have drama with anybody but it seems like there is a lot of drama and hostility between creators and like competition that doesn't need to be there um, because to me, it's like, why, why would you get stressed out about competition when people, there's not like an, a limited amount of people that someone can subscribe to. Like, why don't you want to just lift everybody up? And it seems like there's so much fighting, especially in the beauty world. Yeah. And the reason I guess I know a little bit about that is because I started in the whole yeah. beauty world. So I still follow it. And I have a lot of friends that are beauty gurus and just seeing them all fight and so much drama between them. It's just like really toxic. Yeah. It used to be a much more positive space when it started. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Like, not that I've been a creator on YouTube, but I've been watching the platform heavily, like, you know, like on a regular basis for probably mm-hmm. like, geez, 10 years now, probably Yeah, close to. And mm-hmm. so I have definitely seen how it's changed just from a viewer perspective. Um, it's honestly like nothing like it was before. It's not. It's sad. Okay. Nothing good lasts forever. Yeah. No, that's honestly really true, especially when something becomes so popular, you know, and saturated just kind of can Mm -hmm. become a little corrupt. (laughs) All right. What is it really like doing sponsorships and having brand deals? Have you ever gotten ripped off? Ripped off? I know someone else had a question as well about like, have you ever had a bad experience like getting screwed by a brand or like they lied to you or something like that? Hmm. So no one is straight ripped me off or screwed me over for a brand deal. I've luckily never worked with anyone sketch like that. It's normally, I've had an agency for a really long time that makes sure that I don't get screwed over or they're going to come after them legally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have had companies just try to pull bullshit with me and uh, I've worked, I've had conversations with like just sketchy people and not, I've definitely, you know, have seen the types of people you don't want to work with. And I've been very cautious about what things I'll take and what I agree to do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've, I've luckily never been ripped off, but yeah, I have a, it goes through a lot of people before it gets to me. Yeah, exactly. What factors do you have in place in order to be comfortable while filming? Well, Incense. yes, <laughs> and candles. I do. And I normally like to run my essential oil diffuser before I start, but then I have to turn it off because it makes a sound. <laughs> Darn. Um, but right now I'm filming in my bedroom, which is kind of weird. I don't know. I used to do that. And like back when I first started yeah. making all this type of stuff and people always liked it. So I was like, when I first moved into the house, I was like, well, it kind of looks good. But now I'm like, I should probably move out of there because it is very comfortable to sit on your bed. Yeah, sure. and I'm in my bedroom and I'm relaxed and right. yeah, but I, I think I might try to set up a new space. <laughs> I think it's time to move on from that classic <laughs> YouTuber, like sitting next to on your their bed. bed. <laughs> nah, you're, it's time for you to upgrade to yes. a little background backdrop yeah, situation. I need to for sure. <laughs> Someone asked, 
how long it took for you to kind of grow a name for yourself before it felt like it was like a real job and you were established and you know oh um probably about four years three or four years it took a while there was a lot of working on it with really no reward or you know just making nothing for months yeah for sure you have to put in the time with it for for sure Mm -hmm. unless you just get lucky get on there and you get a viral video right away then yeah, that'd and these be TikTokers, sweet. I mean, it's like overnight for them. <laughs> but I for know. me, it took years. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It was a long time. Yeah. Yeah, some of these people blow up overnight. Um, let's see here. This one's for me. They're asking, did you have any interest in YouTube slash social media before being a part of Mile Higher? Um, yeah, like I said, I've been an avid YouTube watcher for like a decade. I first started watching YouTube back like sophomore year of high school. And so it's been like a huge part of my like entertainment life, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've never like specifically like been like, oh, that'd be great to have like a career in social media or something like that. But as I've worked with Kendall, cause I've started working with Kendall, like, Mm-hmm. almost like two and a half years ago I want to say right when I started my health problems because remember yeah. I was freaking out I was like I can't keep up with my video schedule yeah. like I was really starting to struggle I was flaring up all the time mm-hmm. and couldn't get through editing because I was doing three three videos a week by myself at that yeah. point like I was working crazy hours to grow my channel initially right and then I remember you were like well I'm in grad school and I could help you and yeah I was like perfect so, yeah yeah that was it was, it was fun match. yeah it, <laughs> it really was awesome was. So I just started off like helping you just literally to help you and like make Mm -hmm. extra money. And it was really cool because I was trying to go to school. And so I was like, it's a great way to work part time Mm -hmm. and be really flexible and go to school, blah, blah, blah. So I started off just for that reason. But then as I've been doing it for longer and longer, like I realized I really love it. And mostly like I just love the creative aspect of editing. It's like my favorite part of the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. so um, I never really, you know, specifically knew that I had an interest or joy in editing. Like I didn't know that was something that brought me joy, but, mm-hmm. um, I just kind of accidentally stumbled upon it and I love it. And so, um, yeah, actually when I was getting ready to graduate grad school, um, I had to kind of ask myself what path I wanted to take for the moment. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, I chose to kind of take this path with um, Kendall and Mile Higher as of now because I do love it so much and it's such a you know amazing opportunity. So, yeah. Sometimes plans change, but that's all right. <laughs> Let's see here. Someone, I like this question. Someone goes, where do you get all your media and your videos? Like those fancy little clips you guys play when you're speaking that just accent what you're saying so well. <laughs> Well, if we're lucky, they're just on YouTube, but yeah. a lot of times we can't access clips because they're copyrighted in somewhere. There's only a certain amount or a certain type of clips that you can use. Like yeah. I can use court footage. We can use 911 calls, anything that's public domain and just out there for people. Yeah. Um, but certain interviews are copyright claimed yeah. and it depends on who, like Dr. Phil will claim your ass in a second, <laughs> but ABC seems to be like whatever and right. treats all their stuff as news media. So, and that stuff isn't, you know, you can put a newscast in and that's not copyrighted. copyrighted. Most of the time that stuff is just uploaded, uh, especially for more popular cases. Sometimes you have to dig a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can usually like somehow figure it out. And then also um, if you're talking about like the stock footage, we also use that. Like if oh, we can't find something that, that could be it. is specifically like happening, you know, a real life clip, we have oh. um, different websites that we go to where we can download, uh, you know, it's called stock footage. It's basically 
B-roll, basically. Like B-roll, yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's Which is just additional, like, visuals, basically. Exactly. Um, Yeah, that's probably what they meant by that question. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, both things, you know. Fancy little clips. Fancy little clips, stock footage, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's nice to look at. All right, someone says, how much do you have to dance dance around or censor um, in order to avoid being demonetized? Oh, a lot, yeah. a lot, a especially lot. when talking about what actually happened to the victim, which is really hard because that's a huge part of it. And I know it annoys people. Like in my last video, I, I was talking about a case where a girl was stabbed yeah. 123 times, yep. but I couldn't give details about like how it happened or mm-hmm. what exactly happened, like the play by play of mm-hmm. everything because YouTube could take it down. Mm-hmm or just to monetize it. And like I said, I do have sponsors on there as well, so I'm good to go, but that's going to limit how many people actually see my content, which really is the point of YouTube. So it's just irritating. And I definitely have to dance around words. There's certain words I know that just cannot be used. And it's, it's very hard to make true crime content. Yeah. And it's like, it sucks because when I first started, there was no rules, right? Like you could upload anything and have ads on anything. It was so, like lackadaisical. And then when I first started YouTube or first started true crime stuff, it was like maybe four months after that, that they put in what was called adpocalypse happened, you know, right. where all oh, the yeah, ads that pulled out. God, I remember that. That yeah. was a, while ago. a bunch of advertisers were freaking out because their, con- their ads were on just really problematic and scary content. It was getting on some whack, whack stuff shit. that was on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cause they weren't really doing any monitoring, but then they went just like the other way and way too hard. Yeah. Uh, so it's difficult to make true crime content. Yes. I, I constantly am dancing around with my words. Yeah. Trying to make sure I can get it through the system. Exactly. All right. This next person asks, how do you take care of yourself afterwards? I know you guys cover some really emotionally draining cases. So how are you able to recover or are you just numb at this point? <laughs> I think it's different for everybody. And some people would answer this question completely different. Like Josh doesn't seem to be as emotionally affected. He's able to really separate it. And I, on the other hand, I'm an empath and I am very emotional. And I, I feel like I get sometimes way too wrapped up in my cases and stuff um, to a level where it bothers me or it gets into my dreams. That's a big issue for me is I know I've like gone too far with the case or gone too obsessed with it when it's like, I'm dreaming about it. That's all crazy. Night. Dreaming about victims every single night for a week. Um, and so that, yeah, I have to decompress from it for sure. Like I'm very interested in this stuff, but I'd be lying if I said it doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. Certain cases just get to you or really like hit, hit home differently and sure. make you emotional. Um, or it'll be the way that a victim's family member talks about something in a documentary and they just say something that just makes you so that just really, it gets Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. Um, so I guess to decompress, um, it can be challenging. I don't always do the best job of making sure I fully decompress. Um, but yeah, things like coloring really help getting a distraction. I like to play iPad games. I've been playing Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> it's lit. Um, I like to watch a lot of stupid TV, like yeah. reality TV shows, House Hunters. Josh and I like to watch 90 Day Fiance, like Big Brother, you know, mm-hmm. anything that's like not going to take a lot of energy for me to watch and I can just decompress. And yeah. then, of course, I have a ton of animals, which really helps mm-hmm. with my anxiety. Just getting to see my bunnies or my dogs or my cats yep. definitely brings down the anxiety. Um, meditation. You know, normal things that you do to reduce stress. People have really stressful jobs. Like mine is certainly not the most stressful job out there. There's people that are actually 
working with victims of violence every single day and, uh, you know, terrible situations, people that work in CPS and they somehow do it. And you got to learn how to have that shield and then learn how to disconnect from it. But it can be challenging. It's really hard. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It can be hard to do that. Yeah. I think one of the things that at least helps me when like I'm editing one of your videos or like helping with research or whatever. And I'm like, right afterwards, I usually like force myself to stop the work and then like go do something completely else. Like whether it's watch a random yes. reality TV show or like go take a shower, or, like going mm-hmm. out with my dogs. I like mm-hmm. force myself to distract myself in a different way because I too can get like really dwelly on that. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to learn about this, you know, as well in, in, in therapy and being a counselor, that whole, you know, just taking on other people's traumas is really yes. hard to do. And so you do have to figure out what's the balance between being able to have empathy and, you know, being able to really connect with that case or connect with that person and make it genuine, but also not let it take over your life to where mm-hmm. you are losing sleep and mental health over it. Yeah. And that, that is very hard to do. Yeah. Finding a balance. It's difficult. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you've had to, you were never really interested in true crime before all this. No, it wasn't something that like necessarily, actually, no, I was really scared of it, to be honest. Like it really freaked me out. So I think now I'm a little bit more used to it just because, I mean, I, you know, you get kind of numb to it after a while. You do in some way. Like I'd be lying if I was like, I'm not in some way a little bit numb to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes also I do try and tell myself, like, okay, this is a job. You need to like, remember that you're doing this as a job first and foremost, because for me, at least that does help me like kind of tone down my anxiety. If I'm able to like try and remove myself from it mm-hmm. and just be like, it is a job at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last question is something that had been asked a lot. And that was kind of the idea of how do you even start YouTube or just, I think an influencer career getting a following in general. Well, that's obviously a really broad question. <laughs> um, first, you got to hone in on what you want to do. Do you want to make a blog? Do you want to be an Instagrammer? Do you want to just take pictures? Do you want to make content? Where are you going to make the content? Is it TikTok? Is it YouTube? Uh, so once you narrow down that, you got to figure out what type of thing you want to do because it seems to be really important on YouTube for growth to have a niche. Yeah. Um, that is something that I was always told and I was like, no, I don't want that. So I just, whatever about that advice. And I used to just kind of do whatever, but having a niche and having something that I do has helped my channel immensely being known for something and, you know, being able to really have an audience that's there for a specific reason and coming to you for that type of content does really help. Mm -hmm. So it helps if you can find a niche where no one is really doing it or, uh, you think you could do it better, you know, I mean, YouTube is becoming the internet in general is becoming a place where there's so many little corners and so many little communities and really somewhere for everyone to fit in. So I think you just got to figure out what exactly you want to do and then try your best. And I guess there's really no recipe for success um, on the internet. There's a lot of luck goes into it. A lot of personality goes into it. I mean, you've got to be interesting and likable to get viewers the same reason that People on TV get those positions is because they're hopefully interesting and enjoyable to people. Um, So it's not really for everyone. And that's the thing I think you need to um, accept when going into it is it may not work out and that's okay. 
I feel yeah. like a lot of times when people, when YouTubers are asked this question, they're like, Oh, just be yourself and be original and you'll make it. And like, that's no, that's not necessarily true. Like, I think you'd be lying if you're like, Oh, if, as long as you, you know, do these five things, right. you'll be successful. Like there really is no guarantee. No. And that's why I don't want to give false hope to people or be like, as long as you are you, then right. people will love you. Cause sometimes people just don't click as much with your personality or you're not able to break through that. Um, that fear of the camera. I mean, that's a whole nother thing for people is just being comfortable talking on a camera mm-hmm. or being, or thinking about everything and what people are going to think of you and this and that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not, I feel like it just, there is no recipe for success. You've got to put yourself out there and if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, then yeah, it doesn't always stick. It doesn't. And then I just found another question that I think you would really like. And it basically asks along the lines of how did you tell your family that you started YouTube? Was it awkward? What was that whole spiel? Did they accept it? Were they weird of it? Well, yes. I saw a lot of people ask, like, were you afraid to tell anyone? Um, And yeah, I totally was at first. (laughs) I made a huge deal about it. I mean, only Josh and Janelle and my mom and dad knew that I had a YouTube channel for like the first year or two. Um, and I was really nervous about people finding it. Like one time this girl <laughs> that I went to college with just followed my Instagram and I don't know how she found it. Maybe it was connected to my phone number or something, but I freaked out and I blocked her. <laughs> I was like, hell no, she, no one's going to know about this. I was so embarrassed about it. And that really holds you back. You cannot yeah. be afraid. I mean, if you're going to try to get a career in this or, you know, try YouTube or podcasting, you cannot be ashamed of your work. You have to be proud of what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Got to be shameless. <laughs> um, oh my God. But yeah, I kept it a big secret from my friends. And then <laughs> I finally decided like, I have to start telling people like once it started growing, I was like, how long can I keep this a secret? Before someone finds it and they're like, yeah, oh, you've been doing this for the past year. What? And it was just a huge anxiety for me. Like, remember how worried I was about people finding out? I was like, really worried that really people worried. were going to find out at my college that you were like, it was like you were like running an illegal business or something. Yeah, I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? It's not that bad. I know. <laughs> I was acting like it was like a Hannah Montana situation. <laughs> I used to call you that. Yeah, I know a couple people actually called me that. Um, but yeah, I like had a bunch of my friends over for a little get together one night and I like sat everyone down and told them that I make YouTube videos and made this huge dramatic thing about it. And I was like so embarrassed to tell them. And of course, everyone was like, oh, that's really cool. And now I'm really proud of it. And I'm always proud when I see friends following or like old people from my high school. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. So but yeah, you definitely don't want to like if you feel ashamed of it, then that's not healthy. Yeah. And you should try to get over that or rethink if it's the right thing for you. If you feel ashamed of something you're doing. Right. Yeah, I think that's really good advice for sure. Because it is like a weird job. I think obviously it's becoming more acceptable now and people are taking it more seriously and it's becoming more mainstream. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, more and more people are aware of what an influencer is than maybe what it was five, 10 years ago. Yeah. But it is still new. New media is something that hasn't been around for a while. And this whole world of making a living online is quite new and so i think a lot of people are just kind of confused by it and they're like curious about it curious about it and just you know maybe just don't understand how it works and misconceptions and stuff so yeah well let us know if you guys have more questions maybe we can do a part two to this i feel like there's so much more to get into yeah but thanks for hanging out with us today guys we hope you enjoyed this podcast we had a really good time and maybe you were coloring as well um let us know what you want us to see in the future we're always up for more suggestions uh, we really want to grow the show with you so let us know follow us on social media the underscore sesh podcast 
And also, guys, if you by chance only watch this show, please, if you would go over to iTunes or Spotify and download, that really, really helps us or leave us a review of any sort Mm -hmm. um, on iTunes. It really, really does help us and uh, helps us grow, helps us get the word out. And to anyone who has already done that, thank you guys so much because I know that there are quite a few reviews on iTunes. So thanks if you've already done that. Really appreciate it. But that's it, guys. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you on the next sesh. But until then, keep it fresh. fresh.